This podcast is now streaming on the Accounting Influencers main show. Subscribe to the Accounting Influences podcast to listen to more content just like this. You can also watch this episode on YouTube. Please like and subscribe to learn even more from the very best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Best Practice in Accounting. Brought to you by Dext. And a special shout out to one of our new commercial sponsors for this podcast. It's ProNation. Martin, this is a really exciting game changer in the accounting world. Yeah, the buzz right now from accounting community perspective. So we're not short of accounting communities. So what's going on here? And the three heads is better than one approach has been taken. And we've got three practitioners here in ProNation who are leading a community for all sizes of firms. And because they are practitioners who have worked with thousands of firms themselves around the world in an advisory capacity, they understand the common frustrations and they have the knowledge from practice growth to practice technology to practice systems to help members step by step break through the barriers of resistance that are holding those practitioners back from building the firm they really want. And let's their names, Martin. You're talking about Lucy Cohen, Will Farnell, Carl Reader. They're the new breed of influencers coming through. They've graced international stages now. They're owning accounting firms themselves, so they've been there and done it. And this gets around the old problem of one guru, one mentor, my way or no other way. But here we've got perspective, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, three different firms, three different types of firms, and brought them into seven figures as well, which is often a very difficult barrier for any sort of firm owner to break. So basically what they're saying is that if a practitioner wants more time, uh, if they want, you know, as in discretionary time, if they want more money, if they want more self-confidence, and if they want a better team around them or the team they've got to stay longer, then that's the sort of support they're going to find and to help them achieve in ProNation. Amazing. And we're asking them now to join the nation, Martin, aren't they? Where can people find out more? Exactly there, Rob. Yes, jointhenation.co.uk. That's jointhenation.co.uk. Gives you all the information you need and gives you a chance to apply to join at a size of firm dependent or size of firm specific level. And this is international as well. So go to jointhenation.co.uk. Take a look at what's on offer there. This is a new community for a new age. On behalf of the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network, this is Best Practice in Accounting, where we talk to leaders in the profession and talk about what really works. I'm Phil Tower with me today, Lucy Cohen, back for multiple times because we're loving the stuff that you share, Lucy. You're out there doing it. And you want to talk to us today about buying shiny new things in new tech, but not doing anything with it. Why is this an important topic for accountants? It's a massively important topic for accountants, Rob, because I am the world's worst person for a new fad or a new thing. You name it, I've had it. The walking desk, the rising desk, the peloton bikes. Uh, I love a fad. I love a phase. And as I've uh, aged and matured, I've learned to be uh, more discerning with where I spend my time, money and effort in terms of things that are going to improve my life. And likewise, within the business, uh, my business partner and I have a joke that the reason we work is that I want to buy everything and she never lets me spend any money. And that's why that's why it works really nicely. But having her there as a port of accountability means that I'm forced to justify why I want to spend money on a thing. She's going to ask me for the ROI. She's going to ask me how long the contract is. She's going to ask me what we get out of it. Yada, yada, yada. 
and it's made me and forced me to be uh, much more considered in terms of purchases purchasing things nothing more so than shiny new pieces of technology that promise to revolutionize my life and i think i've had a lot of experience of quasi implementing or poorly implementing things and seeing the negative repercussions of that and if i could stop one other person having to tell their team why they want to change something for the fifth time in six months i'd like to do that please <laughs> well you've already given us a best practice tip there Lucy, and having someone in your business that's not like you, that will force you to make the business case for investing in something and then ask the critical questions about what, how is this going to work and how are we going to get our staff to adopt this and integrate it into the business? Otherwise, it's just going to sit there. That's a, that's a great point. It is. And I have a team of people around me. I, I often say that I am an infuser. I'm a ideas creator. I am a project starter, but I am not a completer finisher. And I know this about myself. I'll get something going. I'll get very excited about it. I'll get everybody on board and then I'll set it off and then I lose all interest and move on to the next thing. And somebody else has to go and pick up the pieces of the thing I've started implementing. But that's fine because that's my skill set. What's been important for me is to have people around me that challenge me and force me to see things through to the end or can assist me in doing it. And having people in your team, and if you're a team of one, have trusted peers and colleagues or communities you can reach out to, uh, to to speak to them, to ask them, look, am I wasting my time here? Do you think this is a good idea? Did you do this? And you're going to get, you know, we, we work in a space now in accountancy where people are a lot more co cooperative with each other than they used to be maybe 15, 16 years ago. You're going to get some good, honest feedback from your peers or from communities you belong to, giving you the lowdown on whether this thing they implemented was great or whether they bothered doing that or do you need this upgrade? A bit like if you're looking at buying a new car, you might ask someone who's already got it instead of just rushing out and buying it. Because we all know that's a big ticket item. We all might consider that a bit more. Most people would um, do the same with things you're going to change in your business, because even if it's not a big ticket item in terms of the spend, you're going to physically spend on it, the cash, it might be in terms of time, energy and resource. And actually, you need to think about what you're sinking into that change before you go ahead and do it. So, yeah, definitely have people around you to hold you accountable. We'll come into some tips in a moment. But I'm thinking as well as the tech stuff in our personal lives, we all buy clothes that we think are great at the time or a new pair of shoes or stuff in a shiny box. And it looks great and you feel wonderful buying it, but you're emotional in your purchase and you get it back and you don't want it or you forget about it or you don't think it's right anymore for all of those reasons. So let's apply that to some kind of tech or app purchase that you bring into an accounting firm, what are your first steps in making sure that gets embedded or used? Hopefully, before you've gone ahead and purchased this thing, I think I've, I've spoken about it um, with you before, that you've done some some sort of procurement process. You've got a due diligence process for yourself and you've, you've, you're happy with your decision you've made. And people can check out our UK Matters in Accounting show. We'll put that show in the show notes where you did talk about the app overwhelm and the sheer amount of choice that you have when you go to events and the alluring pitches from vendors that force so many things on you that it's difficult to say no. So we will put that one in. But what you're saying here is, first of all, make a good decision to make sure you get in the right thing in, right? You've read the reviews. You've done your, you've done your scrolling. You've done your whatever it is. You've decided this is the thing for you. What you can't do is expect it to implement itself. So a lot of us feel like the, the job is done when we've made the decision because a lot of times the decision is the hard part or that feels like the risky bit. 
And once we've made it, you get this sense of relief, like, oh, thank goodness, I've made this decision now. Fantastic. And then you sort of expect it. You download it and you give people their logins and then you kind of hope it does its thing and that everyone's just going to get on board with it. You, you, you kind of squirt it out to clients and go, here you go. Here's this new thing you can use. You think they'll get it just like you did. Yeah. Oh, and you forget they've not gone through that sometimes quite agonizing thought and decision making process to get there. So they, they're not privy to all of these little conversations you've had in your head or with the vendor about why you chose a certain thing. So having an implementation plan for everything is so important. And I've learned this the hard way in that we've wasted time and money on things that I thought were great, implemented them, no one's used them. And then the feedback's been, well, that's rubbish. And we didn't like it. And it never worked. And you've you've not given it You've not given it a fair shot at making a difference. So first one is communicating and it's about the why. So if you're talking to your team or to your clients, you've got to lead with that why. Why are you making this change? Why are you putting this new thing in? Why are you forcing them to use this new bit of kit? Because let's face it, most people don't want to learn a new thing. They're quite happy muddling along as they are, unless there's a very clear immediate benefit for them. Most people aren't willing to go through that pain of change to get to the other side of it, especially if it's not obvious immediately. Um, so it's to, go, it's to start with that why and start with why you're doing it and get some kind of buy-in. Then you go to the how, so you clearly show them how they're going to do it. You can signpost people to resources, resources or places where they can ask questions, don't leave people kind of flounder on their own. And then you go to what we're expecting it to do. So what is it we're expecting to see at the end of this? and then you say, and if we don't see it, we're not going to stick with it. So you give it very clear time parameters because this is a, all these things are a test. You're not guaranteed to get a new piece of technology and for you to love it and for it to revolutionize your, your practice or your business. It might be that you do all the right things and you realize actually it's not the right thing for you. Or it didn't have the functionality you hoped it was going to, or it didn't integrate with this, that, and the other, or actually clients hate it. So you always have to go in with the you can't go down the sunk cost fallacy route. You can't go, well, we've put this much time and effort into it now, so we're going to you know, pig-headedly stick at this. If it's not working and you've got unanimous feedback that everyone hates it, it's not doing the right thing, roll it back, take it away, go, right, we tried it, appreciate everyone's effort, thank you, but I'm not going to force you to keep using something you hate or that doesn't work. And that's a really important bit because that means that people know that you've got their best interests at heart. And I think that's that's been the key. The most successful implementations of things I've done is when I've said to people throughout the whole process, if it doesn't work, we'll take it back. And, and that's been key. They're excellent steps in an implementation plan. I love that idea. I guess part of that as well is decoupling from your existing software at tech that would have taken up some or all of that job as you move on and innovate. Yeah. And it's important, I think, to have a period. You will have a period, a messy middle where you might have systems dual running because you need to give yourself the capability to revert should you need to. But at some point, you've got a go live date where if you're satisfied that this is a new one, I highly recommend having a go live date and not having any messy fuzziness between moving from one system to another. So crossover, overlap, have a little bit of dual running to make sure the new system's working. And then again, clear communication from the date that we move to this system, anything prior to that, that's it, it's over it's done it's legacy you can look at it you can search it but you can't use it and then we move it all over and that means that people can't do the you're always going to get a little bit of oh but in the old system you could just do this or in that old place and a really good example of this was when before the days of Mazuma, i used to work for cardiff council and they used to have a general ledger system that was running an old ms dos system so it was black and black with white green white letters 
and to post a journal, something that which we do willy nilly all over the place as accountants, for the general ledger to update when you post a journal took three days and it involved somebody refreshing a big server somewhere in a room. So people had these spreadsheets running all over the place to uh, account for the difference between when they posted a journal to what the ledger really should say. It was absolutely wild. This was 2004, 2005. They ended up putting in SAP, which is a big, modular, huge piece of kit, arguably considerably better than a three-day journaled MS-DOS system. But people still clung on to, oh, but I like the spreadsheet because I knew I posted it. Then I had three days until I had to do this. You're always going to get a bit of that. You just have to be very strict and go, no, from this date, this is where all the new stuff goes. We can look, we can read, but we can't edit or or amend or add to, to the old stuff. And then you slowly, slowly, slowly phase out and um, until you kind of made the old one completely redundant. And eventually people won't remember the old one at all and they'll laugh at it and go, oh, remember when we used to do that? That was that was silly. Um, but it's, it is the whole process. And the hardest part of it is dealing with people because people don't love change and people you know, people want a quick fix with everything. We want. I want to download the bit of software that's going to change my life. And suddenly, you've seen me, I wear all these kind of bits of wearable tech. And I'm every time I buy a new one, I'm convinced it's going to completely revolutionize my sleep or something. Um, so I'm as guilty of it as anybody. But we, we think it's going to do that thing. Actually, it, that's, that's step one. That's the first thing you do. The hard bit is the journey, the people, the change management and all that kind of stuff. Lucy, this is terrific. You've told us what to do to get it right. But let's just scare people a little bit. You've confessed that you've not got it right in the past. What are the nightmares and horrendous stories and outcomes for when you buy the tech and it, you don't implement and you don't get it right and it just sits there? Uh, I guess cost is the biggest one, just wasted cost. Yeah, wasted cost is is the most obvious one because you're spending money on things you're not using and that's, that's just massively wasteful. Um, but actually, I think one of the most dangerous ones is a lack of faith in you. So your team around you. So you come out with this this great new big thing. It's going to be this revolutionary thing. And then you you get it and you kind of don't implement it properly. And then no one adopts it. So the next time you've got a great idea, everyone goes, oh, yeah, but the last one was rubbish. So you just lose credibility as a leader and you lose people's goodwill. Uh, in terms of them believing in you. So you get, you know, in your career, every every seven years, you'll get a couple of those where you're allowed to kind of screw it up. Uh, but for the most part, you've got to make decisions that you see through. Now, it doesn't mean that the decision you've made and the technology that you've implemented, because of course, I said at the beginning of that, you can have that caveat of, look, if it doesn't work, we the whole point of innovating, we're an innovative firm, we want to grow, we have to try these things. And then we know if it's worked or not, we can make a decision. But if you don't try, you'll never know. Yeah, I've said we can always take it back. And actually that can build real credibility because your team go, well, it's okay because if it doesn't work, we can just, we'll revert again and that's fine. We had one very recently where we changed our email ticketing system. And this was a ticketing system that everybody hated. No one liked it. And yet when I said we were getting rid of it, everyone was like, oh no, I don't want to get rid of it. Oh, what's the new thing going to be? Very quickly though, once we did get rid of it, they much preferred the new thing. And they were like, thank goodness for that. I was like, you, you would... If I'd have listened to you in the first instance, you'd have rather stuck with something you hated instead of just taking that little leap to trying something you might have loved. So that's the process you have to go through. But yeah, I think that it's almost a vulnerability. It's almost like being human thing. And look, I'm going to try this out. And if it doesn't work, 
I promise you we'll go back. That's fine. What isn't fine is going, this is going to be amazing. It's going to revolutionize stuff. It, it's a damp squib. No one uses it. It wastes a bunch of time and money. We still end up keeping the old system. So the next time you have a dear idea, no one believes you. You're kind of the business leader that cried wolf and you, you don't want to be that person. Lucy Coyne, such practical steps and what really works. We thank you for your passion and your experience and your insights today. That's been amazing. Thank you. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Best Practice in Accounting. Leading the discussion on firms that are standing out, winning work, and becoming the top performers in the accounting and fintech world. Brought to you by Dext.